Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. The rebellious leaders who destroyed the worldwide Church of God after Herbert W. Armstrong died in 1986 decried Mr. Armstrong's abuse of power. They said that Mr. Armstrong's form of government that he established within the WCG was too authoritative, too tyrannical, and yet these leaders seemed to love that exact same government structure once they were the ones in charge. Now, we have to understand that God does have a specific government structure that he commands us to follow. It's extremely important that we do it God's way when it comes to government. This is perhaps one of the most important subjects we could ever understand. Notice here, Ephesians chapter two, it describes God's church as a household. And then it describes all of the different parts of that house, that spiritual house. Ephesians two verses 20 through 22 and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the spirit. So we see here that the foundational aspect of this spiritual household is Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the foundational chief cornerstone of this spiritual household. And then you have right there at the foundation as well, the apostles and prophets led by Jesus Christ. So God works through a man. Notice here, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a little bit more of this structure that God uses. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, 1 Corinthians 11, and we'll read verse 1 and verse 3. Be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. We all answer to somebody except for God, the father himself. He's the only one in charge of absolutely everybody else. Even Christ answers to someone. He answers to the father. So it goes the father, then Christ then man, then woman, when it comes to families, at least. 
the man is established as the head of his household, the head of his family. That's the way God has set it up. So God doesn't just give us government in the church. He gives us government in our families as well. And he says the man should be in charge in a family. God is in charge over Christ. Christ is in charge over every man. So when a man leads his family, he has to be accountable to Christ. He has to be conducting himself the way that Christ would in every situation. And then over the church, there is one man who answers to Christ. Notice here, this process of how God delivers revelation to his church. This is Revelation 1 and verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So we can get the order of this again. It's God giving the revelation to Jesus Christ who gives it to an angel who then delivers it to God's man on earth. The one man in charge over the church who is accountable to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Even in the first century, when there were more than one apostle, there was still a chief apostle. Peter was still the one accountable to Christ over all the other apostles. And the only reason there were multiple apostles really was because of the difficulty of communication, because of the vast lands that they had to travel and, and tend to with the brethren. And so these spiritual offices, this extra power from God was extremely important. But there was still one apostle over the rest, even in the first century church. It's been this way through the ages in God's church. One man rule. God sets up one man, and that man is accountable to Jesus Christ. He has to answer to Jesus Christ with every decision he makes, and he will receive correction directly from the throne of God if he does make a mistake. We all are accountable to somebody, even the physical head of God's church, the physical leader under Jesus Christ. So Mr. Armstrong came on the scene in this end time, and for over 50 years, he delivered the good news of the coming kingdom of God to the entire world. You can see in Matthew 24, verse 14, how one man specifically was supposed to do this job. And it was supposed to take place not too long before the second coming of Jesus Christ. Mr. Armstrong really did preach the gospel around the world as a witness to all nations. He met with dozens of world leaders. He spoke directly to the common man as well. He got God's message out there. 
It was for a witness. It wasn't to convert everybody. God is not trying to save the world all at once today. It's not a desperate soul-saving crusade against Satan, the devil. It will all happen according to God's timing. But right now, the message is going out as a witness. People are witnessing this message. They're receiving a warning about the coming punishment. And then also, they're receiving hope about Christ returning after that punishment and setting up a better world. But Mr. Armstrong really did fulfill Matthew 24, verse 14. Mr. Armstrong also fulfilled Matthew 17, verse 11. It's talking here about an end time type of Elijah. Jesus Christ said, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. Mr. Armstrong, of course, didn't restore all things to the world. Mr. Armstrong didn't transform this world into the wonderful world tomorrow, the kingdom of God here on earth. But he did restore all things, all foundational doctrines to God's church. That's what it's talking about here. Christ, when he returns, will restore all things to the world. The end time Elijah restores all things to God's church. Mr. Armstrong did fulfill that role. Acts 3 verse 21 shows that Christ will restore all things when he returns to the world. So first there's an end time Elijah, Mr. Armstrong. He restores all things to God's church. And then there's Jesus Christ. He'll return and restore all things to the entire world. We have some excellent materials available to you for free at thetrumpet.com to establish and prove to you the role that Mr. Armstrong fulfilled that can prove to you that Mr. Armstrong fulfilled specific Bible prophecies. We can assign names of specific human beings to specific scriptures in the Bible. We have a booklet, A Pivotal Sign of the End Time. We have January 16th, God's Miracle Day. You can get those for free at thetrumpet.com. And you can prove for yourself what God used Mr. Armstrong to do. Now, Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6, 5 and 6 show something else that Mr. Armstrong did. Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the eternal, or the day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That is something Mr. Armstrong restored to God's church. He restored true instruction about family. He strengthened families within the worldwide church of God. He had summer educational program, youth opportunities united, all kinds of activities for God's young people. 
He considered God's young people the most important group to reach. Mr. Armstrong was the definition of a humanitarian. He gave nonstop his entire life. It started in the church, building up these families, establishing God's government in those families with the man at the head, the husband and the wife fulfilling their roles and raising happy, obedient children. And then the congregations in the church were strengthened. The work was strengthened. And Mr. Armstrong delivered that message to the entire world as well. He said, if you want to be happy, there are real laws written down for you in the Bible that you can keep. You can change your life by living the way that God commands in the Bible. Mr. Armstrong did restore all things to God's church. The very first restored truth that Mr. Armstrong taught about the one that he put as number one on his list of 18 was God's government. Without God's government, all the other restored truths couldn't have been restored. Now, perhaps you have experienced a club or an event or some kind of organization that maybe didn't have a clear government structure where there wasn't somebody clearly in charge. And probably it was a pretty frustrating experience to you. Isn't it annoying when things are simply not functioning efficiently? They're not operating the right way because no one's in charge. No one is executing the law. No one is upholding the right standard. God wants structure in his church. And he does work through one man, as we have proven straight from scriptures in the Bible. God works through one man. Obviously, this government structure is open to corruption if the man at the top is rebellious. That's exactly what happened after Mr. Armstrong died and Joseph Tkach took over in 1986. The Worldwide Church of God was quickly destroyed from within, from the very top, by the very government structure used to build that church and do that work. That government structure was turned against the church to destroy it from within. But that's not the way Mr. Armstrong executed God's government. He did it in love and he strengthened families and he gave to the entire world. Notice here in Raising the Ruins, written by Mr. Stephen Flurry, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. There's really some interesting information here about the legacy of Mr. Armstrong as compared to the legacy of Joseph Tkach and those rebels. But here's, here's what Mr. Stephen Flurry wrote on page five of Raising the Ruins. He's responding to Michael Fazell, 
Joseph Takach Jr.'s right-hand man, saying that Mr. Armstrong created an administrative nightmare within God's church by using one-man leadership. Like I just said, our experience in real life proves the exact opposite of that accusation. When we experience any organization or any event without leadership, without someone clearly in charge, it tends to be chaotic, it, it tends to be inefficient, and it just frustrates everyone involved. It's not an administrative nightmare to have one person in charge. That's just plainly disprovable by common sense. So here's what Mr. Stephen Fleury wrote on page five of Mystery of, or of Raising the Ruins. Page five of Raising the Ruins. I can't figure out how a worldwide work that helped millions of lives through the airwaves with free literature, international humanitarian projects, a famous concert series, youth programs, two colleges, and a high school could ever be characterized as nightmarish. Yet that is the way WCG officials today represent that history. In listening to them, you get the impression they had no choice but to remain in this church as if Mr. Armstrong handcuffed them to the chairs at church services. Now that is a common theme among rebels, people who betray God and leave his church. They leave and then act like they were forced to stay even though they have left. How were they forced to stay if they're currently not in that church anymore? It defies logic. No one forces anybody to attend services in the Worldwide Church of God back then or in the Philadelphia Church of God today. People are free to choose People are free to live their lives however they want to. But there is a standard upheld in God's church through God's government structure. God commands us in Revelation chapter 18 to come out of Babylon, to come out of the world that is living in darkness and evil. So we are expected to try to live a different way because God has given us a better way. It is not tyranny to expect members in a church to live a certain way based on certain rules of that church because anyone who disagrees with it is free to leave. There is no abuse of power going on just because a given church has a standard. It's just a ridiculous thing to say and acting like they were chained and dragged into church services for years as long as Mr. Armstrong was alive and they had no choice but to keep showing up to church services every week and to keep associating with this tyrannical church led by a tyrant. Just an absolutely absurd accusation. But then you also see the hypocrisy 
of these rebellious leaders after Mr. Armstrong because they complained about one-man rule under Mr. Armstrong, but then they abused one-man rule as soon as they took power. Notice page 7 of Raising the Ruins. And you really need to get a, a copy of this book. It's absolutely incredible. An incredible story. True, a true story of the history of God's church in this end time. But Mr. Stephen Flurry is quoting Fazell again, who admits that, well, basically we did keep one man rule. We did keep that power around long enough until the rigid doctrinal opposition in the administration no longer existed. So basically, they used one-man rule to kick everyone out of the church. Everyone who loved the teachings of Mr. Armstrong, who wanted to remain loyal to the truth of the Bible, was kicked out of the church. One-man rule was turned against the WCG and used as a deadly weapon by these rebels. They kicked out all of the opposition to their radical changes in the church. And of course, they had to use one-man rule. They had to be efficient and effective. Like an assassin in taking out everyone who was ever loyal to Mr. Armstrong and loyal to God. And then they write about it and they talk about it after the fact and they admit Oh, well, actually, maybe one, one man rule wasn't quite so bad because it allowed us to transform the church so quickly. Now, here's something especially shocking about the way that they used one man rule. First through Joseph Takach, then through Joseph Takach Jr. And that small circle of powerful men around that one man at the top of the church they used one man rule to hoard wealth to absolutely stack tens and hundreds of millions of dollars of wealth for themselves here it is on page 12 of raising the ruins just think about this scenario just put some critical thought into this mr stephen flurry writes they had abandoned the headquarters oriented work way back in the mid-1990s the church's mission like many other christian denominations was to develop congregations of worship at the local level again tkachism had completely done away with the worldwide work concept that mr armstrong employed there was no work except at the local level. Congregations worked to develop their own identities. Okay, so basically the entire structure of the work is no longer oriented around headquarters in the WCG. It, it is not so much a centralized government structure. But notice this. 
page 12. But the money by the tens of millions kept flowing into the Pasadena headquarters even as late as 2004. Think about that. By 1995, virtually everything in the church had been decentralized, all except for the authoritative government and the financial model. So from the mid-1990s until the mid-2000s, for about a decade, they decentralized the church, but they kept receiving all the money. It wasn't going to their congregations. It was going to so-called headquarters still. These few men at the top receiving millions of dollars and not sending it out to the congregations. In 2003, headquarters gathered $18.6 million and only sent $1.5 million of that to the congregations. They collected $70 million by selling the property in Pasadena, California, and kept the vast majority of that money as well, basically dividing the spoils amongst a few powerful men at the top tens of millions of dollars and yet they weren't sending money out to the congregations like they had pledged to do they decentralized the work except well actually there are a few really powerful men at the top and they still are getting all of the money even though they're not doing anything with it they're just keeping it for themselves they're not doing a work anymore what a shameful abuse of power. It turned out that those rebels were doing exactly everything they accused Mr. Armstrong of doing. One man rule in God's church done by a faithful follower of Jesus Christ is a beautiful thing, but it can be extremely destructive when a rebel takes over. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time 